Hey, how are you doing? My name is Dean Dwyer, and you are listening to Unrecognizable. It's a show where I talk about what I believe to be the greatest skill that you've never been taught, which is the ability to change your worst, most troubling behaviors so that you can actually achieve the things that you're looking to achieve in your life. And I have done this numerous times, uh, most, I'm going to put this in quotation marks, most famously by uh, converting, you know, turning my my failed body into something that is now a success story and uh, taking all the principles that I've learned from that and now applying them to other areas of my life and just systematically going about removing these things that are holding me back from achieving the ultimate happiness that I'm looking to achieve. So um, in today's show, I'm actually, so this is, <laughs> this is another ambitious show. I, I had settled on doing this podcast today Sorry, let me. I'm all over the place. Okay, let me let me dial this in. Uh, I'm actually going to share with you how I have overcome anxiety in my life, and specifically, it was an anxiety around my sleep. Um, and I'm going to tell you how I I went about uh, fixing that. But even though you might be listening to this and saying, "Well, that's great, Dean. I don't have anxiety around my sleep, or I don't suffer from anxiety." Um, I never suffered from anxiety before either, actually. I've had two bouts in my life. And I will tell you, it is unsettling, to say the least. Uh, and this is maybe a, a story for another day, but um, but I will say it's unsettling. And I know the first time it happened to me, it was unsettling because I had this view of who I always thought I was and, you know, sort of this guy that was pretty laid back and, you know, nothing really kind of sort of flattened me. And anxiety came along, I said on two occasions, and flattened me and really changed how I saw myself. And that was disturbing, to say the least. So uh, uh, as I said, this is kind of an ambitious episode. I was going to do the episode today. And then I'm like, oh, man, there's so many aspects to this. I, I feel like I need more time to kind of think this through. But then uh, I've done this before too. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the best I can to 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 share the episode the way I want to share it because there's a lot of value in this. So I'll frame this. I've got a couple of stories I want to tell. I'm going to tell you my sleep anxiety story. I'm going to tell you how it started. I'm going to tell you the mindset that I remember having that created the anxiety. I'm going to tell you the new mindset I settled on that helped me overcome the anxiety. And I'm also going to share with you what I believe to be the um, the secret to everything I've been able to do, which is what I call my essential habit framework. Now, essential habits, if you've been following me for any length of time now, essential habits are my belief on changing behaviors and 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 sort of looking to accomplish success in life. It's not the idea. I'm not looking to do a million different things. I'm looking to do a handful of things a million times. And a handful of things are the essential habits. The 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 two, three, four, five, ten habits that drive the bulk of your success. That's what I'm looking for. And then everything else I, I don't worry about. I just figure out what are the things that drive the success and that's all I focus on. So um, 
I'm going to share with you the the how the the framework works. I will also tell you, and this is just my own bias, so you have to take this with a grain of salt. There are lots of best-selling books out there on habits, and all of them have great information that will help you with your habit building. But um, in every case that I've seen, I've I've got I've got some personal issues with. Um, how these books and uh, are perceived from the standpoint that people are either simply talking about habits from the research that they're doing and so and what I mean by that is they're telling us what to do but they themselves are not really sure how to do it or they share stories but they're not actually applying this framework to their own life so they share either super simple examples like how to eat more apples, which is nice, but in the bigger scheme of things, isn't isn't a game changer in your life. Uh, or you know, they're sharing an example of something they did twenty years ago, but they're not actually constantly sort of taking their framework and saying, "Here's how I just solved this problem," and "Here's how I just solved that problem." So I'm hoping to be a solution to that problem because I am constantly applying my own framework to my own life to solve my most difficult and challenging problems. And then what I do is I share the solutions for you to kind of take the framework, not not the specific example, because odds are you don't have a sleep issue, but you do have problems in your life that you have not been able to solve, and the framework can be applied anywhere. Okay, so um, let me start, before I get into the framework, uh, let me tell you my... Uh, first of all, I'm going to share my sleep anxiety story with you. I'm going to just tell you how it started, and then I'm going to I'm going to break it down and and sort of uh, share the framework with you that I use. So my sleep anxiety was first of all, it didn't start as sleep anxiety. I initially started with uh, I I started having sleep struggles. Now before I get into my story, I'm going to tell you, I believe languaging is hugely important. So whenever I talk about my sleep, I never, ever, ever use the I word that people use. I won't even say the word because I don't want to. I'm. I, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't use the I word. I, I hear Tim Ferriss, love Tim Ferriss, but I hear Tim Ferriss talk about his sleep struggles. Um, and he's always using the I word. I feel like that's a self-fulfilling prophecy that we keep reinforcing the very thing we don't want. So um, I, I initially was just saying that I, I struggle with my sleep. But I've, I've since even modified the language even more. I experience bouts of wakefulness. So I, I'm choosing to word it differently. Same, it still, it still highlights what the issue is, but in a, for me, it's framing it more positively. Because by saying that I have bouts of wakefulness, what I'm acknowledging is um, it's not that I don't sleep at all. I do sleep, but it, it, it sort of comes in, it comes in fits and starts. And, but, I, but I am getting sleep. So, so for me, it's about how do I get more sleep, right? So I'm reinforcing the fact that, yeah, yeah you're, get, you're, you're sleeping, but I'm not sleeping as much or as well as I, as I would have wanted. So... Um, I had I started struggling with uh, bouts of wakefulness. Uh, I don't even know exactly, to be honest, when it when it all started. But I'm going to say it was at least for four years ago when when things first started. 
And so what would happen is I would, I would, first of all, I never had issues with my sleep unless there was something really stressful going on. Uh, I remember uh, back in university, a girl I was going out with broke up with me and I didn't see that coming. And so, you know, I, I did have, you know, I had a hard time sleeping for, I think, the first month. Uh, but tip, but other than that, no issues with sleeping at all. You know, sleep was never something I ever worried about or thought about or had any routine about. It just happened and I was okay with it. About four years ago, I started, like I would go to bed, say 11 o'clock, and then around one o'clock I would wake up and I had a hard time getting back to sleep. And it took what seemed like forever, like it'd be like four, sometimes five o'clock in the morning before I actually fell asleep again. And again, it was kind of wreaking havoc on my sleep. So initially, I I didn't worry too much about it. But I don't know if you've ever struggled with bouts of wakefulness. Waking up in the middle of the night when it's pitch dark and it's absolutely silent is um, unsettling. At least it was for me. It's unsettling. And weird things happen when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're left alone with your own thoughts. Like our mind is this amazing thing that can also be our greatest enemy. And I remember exactly when my situation went from like struggling with bouts of wakefulness to turning it into an anxiety is that I woke up one night and, and, and I had this thought. And the thought was, what if this is the new normal? What if I, what if for the rest of my life, I keep, like, I, I'll never be able to sleep a full night. Like, I will always be waking up and be awake for three or four hours a night. I remember having that thought. And that's where my anxiety began. And then what ended up happening was, I started dreading going to bed. Like, I was actually, a, like, when nighttime came, I'd be like, oh, crap. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to go to bed at some point. And I would put it off as long as I could with the idea. I thought like if I go to bed later, then maybe I'll be so exhausted that I'll just sleep through the night. Of course, that d- it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether I went to bed at 11, 12, 1 o'clock. I'd wake up and it was almost like clockwork. I'd wake, wake up about an hour later and then I'd have this knot in my stomach. Uh, this, ang- you know, just this anxiety when I would wake up and it was, it was uh, I, not terrifying, but it was really, really unsettling, really unsettling. Um, and, and was kind of really, it was kind of getting to me. Like it was, it was really, I said it was, uh, it was a bit devastating from the standpoint that it kind of revealed this weakness in me that I had never seen before. And it kind of shattered this view of myself, right? Of this guy that could sort of solve, you know, his own problems. And like suddenly I, I, I really felt helpless and kind of powerless and, didn't say anything to anybody about this, but that's sort of what was going on. So it got it got to the point, and it got so bad that um, there was a week. This it was in the summer, um, and this was before the pandemic. There, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not getting emotional. I got something in my throat. Um, it was it was before the pandemic. There was a 24 hour coffee shop by my place. It's about a 15 minute walk from my house. And I ended up, I woke up at one o'clock in the morning. I'm, I've got this, this anxiety in my stomach, ball of anxiety. And I'm like, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know what's going on in my throat. 
<laughs> I, I actually, it sounds like I'm crying or I'm getting, I'm getting emotional. I, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I tell this story with great pride now. So it's, it's not a, it's, there's nothing emotional about the story for me now. But anyway, I was so anxious that I had, that I just, I got, as soon as I woke up, I put on my clothes, I threw my computer and my book and my journal, and I walked to this coffee shop and I worked there until about four in the morning. And then I would come home and I kind of, I'd fall asleep from like four or five until about nine or nine thirty kind of thing. And that, you know, and I did that for an entire week. I will tell you, I've, I think I've shared this story before, but I will tell you, there are some really interesting people at a coffee shop between one and four a.m. Very different than what you see during the day. Anyway, this went on for about four or five days, and and I think after the fourth or fifth day, I, I was like, like I this this is not a solution to my problem. And I made I. I I can't specifically say at that specific moment, but sometime during this sort of bouts of anxiety, I did. There were a few things I decided I was not going to do, and and the first thing I was not going to do was I was not going to take any kind of sleeping pills or any kind of medication that would help me sleep. Now, let me preface this by saying that there are times when people, myself included, I haven't had this hasn't happened yet, but but I I would not dismiss this if it if, if this was the case, where we might a, a situation might be so bad that we need to sort of quote unquote stop the bleeding, and we may need to take some sort of medication initially to help us stop the bleeding, and if that was the case for me, and I did let's say my anxiety was so bad that I wasn't sleeping at all, and I had to initially take medication. I would do it with the notion that I'm going to do it, but I'm not, I'm not going to be on this forever. So my anxiety wasn't that bad, but I had, but so I, I had already decided I am not taking anything that's going to dull my senses of life. Like I'm not running from the fear. Like I will, I, I would, I will suffer silently, um, rather than sort of, uh, mask the problem and not actually try to address its root cause. So that was that was the first thing that I had already settled on. It's like, no, I am going to face this head on and I'm going to figure out a way to navigate this. So, you know, I started doing more thinking about it. And as I said, I and I, I said I I for me and let me let me introduce now what I call my essential habit framework, right? So once I decide on an essential habit, uh, and in this case, my essential habit was I was going to work on my sleep hygiene. I was going to try and get my sleep. Uh, I was going to try and fix my sleep so that the anxiety would be gone. So once I, I settle on the essential habit, there are six parts to my framework that I, that I actually use and I continue to use. So it's not something I just made up that I'm now going to teach to you, but I don't actually use myself. I actually use this. Uh, I'm using it right now to teach myself uh, a very simple and easy habit, which is to get out of bed, to honor... No, sorry, let me rephrase the wording on this. To keep my commitment to myself of getting up when I say I'm going to get up. I No more snooze buttons. Uh, no more one day I'm up at this time, the next day I'm up at this time. This is a year of getting up when I say that I'm going to get up. 
I, and I'm using the same framework for that. So the six parts to the framework are first and foremost, my, uh, I'll say the framework and then I'll come back and I'll explain a few of them. Mindset, methodology, which is I need to put some sort of system or framework in place in terms of how I'm going to do this. Measurement, um, because again, if you don't know how to measure your behavior, there's no possible way you can have long-term success because you don't actually know what success looks like. So you have to be able to measure it somehow. Every behavior I invest in has to be measurable. Um, And then mastery, and mastery is actually the daily practice that I do uh, in order to get better at whatever the behavior is that I am looking to, uh, to master. Um, and then the next, the, the fifth part of that is management. Now, this is something that the habit gurus do not talk about, um, that most people don't talk about. What I realized on my successful body journey was that I didn't have a diet and exercise problem. Diet and exercise, definitely part of the solution. I didn't have a diet and exercise problem. I had a management problem. I did not know how to to do the behaviors consistently that I knew were going to lead to my success. I could do them for a week or for 30 days or even 60 or 90 days, but I could, you know, in every time I failed is because I stopped doing the things that were leading to success. So I need to know how to manage my behavior and then the last one is metacognition, which is really what you're doing is you're extracting wisdom. Right? You're reflecting on the process, what worked, what didn't work? How do I tweak it so that I'm constantly making iterations? Uh, that feedback, you, so you have to think of this like a loop, right? So it's a circle. Uh, and then the metacognition feeds back into the mindset, which feeds back into my methodology, which then feeds back into my measurement, which feeds into my mastery, which feeds into my management. And so it's this constant loop that I have going on. So once I settled on the fact that my essential habit was going to be that I was going to um, fix my sleep, the next part was settling on the mindset that was going to ultimately change my behavior. Now, uh, I've talked about this before. I will keep talking about this. Mindset is the key to successful behavior change. Nobody ever talks about this. You cannot do your way out of a thinking problem. The reason that we struggle in any area of our life is because we think a certain way. That's a mindset. A mindset is a repeating thought pattern that we have, that we think a certain way about something, whether we realize it or not, and that way of thinking is what keeps reinforcing whatever lousy result that we are producing in our life. So for me, I indicated to you, I recognized when I started thinking about it, I remember the the night where I was like, what if this is the new normal? That was the mindset that was creating the problem for me. So I needed to create a new mindset. Now, I will tell you this with mindset. It's not easy to figure out. First of all, it's not easy to figure out what the underlying mindset is. It could take you months, even years, depending on how difficult the problem is, to truly identify the root mindset that's at play. Um... So you start with your best guess, and then again, this is where the metacognition part comes in, is you're constantly thinking about the process and what you're doing, and you will ultimately, when you keep working on it, you will ultimately figure out what it is, or you'll keep getting closer to what it is until you ultimately discover you know, the key mindset that's at play. But I was lucky that early on, I knew exactly what the mindset was, and I got lucky that 
I settled on a mindset that uh, worked really, really well for me. And I'll tell you what the mindset is, and then I'm going to tell you a story about how I came up with that mindset. So the mindset that I settled on, because what happened was when I was waking up, I was totally in my head. I thought the mindset I ended up settling on was this, get out of my head and into my hands. And what that meant was if I was to wake up in the middle of the night, Rather than think about the fact that I was experiencing a bout of wakefulness, just get up and do something with my hands. So what that looked like early on was it could be things like folding laundry. Um, I, I There were times when I would organize um, one area of my, my, my place, whether it was a bookshelf or a table that had a bunch of junk on it or whatever. Um, I would do some sort of organizing. I might fix or repair something that needed to be fixed or repaired. Um, uh, Another one that worked really, really well was just chopping up vegetables and stuff like that. So like, for example, like I I have what I call my big ass salad every single day. So, you know, the ingredients in that uh, pretty much always stay the same. You know, there's, there's romaine lettuce, there's tomato, there's red pepper, there are beets, there are carrots, those sorts of things. So I would chop up those sorts of things so that I would have those over the next three or four days. And my salad would take like literally minutes to make as a result of that. So the mindset was get out of my head and into my hands. And I'll tell you where that mindset came from. Um, I mean, the wording is mine. But I but the idea came from a Dale Carnegie book that I had read years and years ago. My father had the book. And it was How to Stop Worrying and Stop Living. And there was a story in there. There were many stories. But the one story that I never forgot was about a gentleman who was sharing his story about how he had overcome worry. And what had happened, it was a, it was a tragic story. He had two children. Uh, his oldest son was five years old, died of some sort of congenital condition. Um, And he was devastated. He was devastated by this. And he said for the next 10 months was just in an absolute fog and sort of, you know, not, you know, just in a fog and, and devastated by the loss of his son. But about 10 months into this, he realized like, I have another son. Like I need to be a father to this boy. I've got to find a way to pull myself out of this. And what he did was he went around his house, he had a notepad, and he made a list of every single thing that had to be fixed. And he said he had a list of 237 things. And he just started working through the list. You know, looked at the first item, fixed it, crossed it off, went to the next one. And he said that that act, that 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 thing that he put together changed everything for him. And it was through that that he was able to kind of navigate his emotions and his thoughts about the loss of his son. And he was able to begin to process it and deal with it and begin to live his life again. And I thought about that story. And I thought, really, what this guy did is he got out of his head and into his hands. I thought, I need to do the same thing. And so that's that was the approach I took. And that changed everything for me. Not overnight, it took, you know, initially when I first had it, there was still like when I would wake up, there would be um, initially there would be sort of anxiety at play. But I say to myself, get out, just get out of bed, get out of your head and into your hands. And then I would do something. 
And what I found was that I could do something for 5, 10, 15 minutes and, and then go back to bed. And then I, I, I might fall back asleep for an hour, two hours, or three hours. And when I woke up again, I got up and I'm like, get out of my head and into my hands. And I would do something. And over time, what happened was the anxiety went away. The, the, the bouts of wakefulness didn't necessarily subside. I, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, um, I'm staying at my father's right now, but back at my place, on an average night, I wake up five or six times. At my father's place, uh, I've been waking up mostly only three times, um, sometimes four, but my sleep has actually improved. But I still... Uh, I, I still have the same mindset. When I wake up, all I do is I don't, I don't fight it anymore. Um, all I do is I get up and I get out of my head and into my hands. And actually what I'm doing now is – and this, this just started at my father's place um, because, I, because it's my dad's place. I can't go around fixing things or you know vacuuming or doing something like that. Uh, so what I do is when I wake up, is I have now started preparing my first meal for the next day. So I will put, um, so for example, uh, I always have eggs. I have eggs for my first meal every day. I have three eggs and then I do uh, 100 grams of egg whites. So I get all that ready. So I crack open the three eggs. I put them into a Tupperware container. I measure out my 100 grams of egg whites And they're now in the container ready to be poured into the pan when I'm ready to cook my meal later today. Uh, I'm also having 200 grams of broccoli. So I measured that out. I washed it. I put it into a container that is now ready to be dropped into the steamer and steam. So so that's now actually what I'm doing. And then... um, it, you know, if I wake up another time, I go up and I, I also do what I call, uh, I call it nature's ice cream, which is really banana blueberry ice cream. It's frozen banana slices and frozen blueberries. Uh, the bananas I slice myself. So I intentionally leave those as an activity that I can do should I experience a bout of wakefulness. But that mindset has changed the game for me and it has allowed me now to... Um, to get a good quality sleep. So let me walk through my my essential habits framework here. So I figured out the mindset. Get out of my head and into my hands. And your mindset should be almost poetic. It's it's not a paragraph. You want to try and get the wording down so that it's something that's easy to recall. Get out of my head and into my hands, right? That's it. There's an elegance um, and an economy of words that I've been able to kind of capture the mindset for me. The second part is the methodology. How am I going to do it? And um, for me, it's just simple. It's like as soon as I wake up is to like if I feel that I can't get back to sleep, then don't fight it. Don't don't be like, oh, I can't. It's like if, if I can't get back to sleep, it's like, OK, so I'm going to do something. Right, like last night, I actually folded laundry. Uh, I had laundry to do, so I left it in the dryer, knowing that if I do, if I do experience a bout of wakefulness, I will fold my laundry. That took me about ten minutes. Went back to bed, had a three out, had a great three hour sleep session, and then when I woke up again, I did. Actually, I woke up the, the next bout of wakefulness. 
I didn't feel like uh, I wasn't going to be able to get back to bed. So I went to the washroom, back to bed, and I fell asleep. So um, so I figured out the methodology, which is really, as soon as it happens, it's very simple. But as soon as it happens, just get out of bed and work on a task. And typically, I kind of, again, I sort of, I do the same kinds of things now. Uh, like uh, a couple nights ago, I, I didn't exactly know what kind of food I could prepare for myself, like for the next day or whatever. So I just went, I opened up the fridge and I was like, okay, is there anything here? Can I chop something up that, that I haven't chopped up yet? Or can I wash something that hasn't been washed? So I find things that I can do. So that has been a wonderful outlet for me. So the, the methodology is really simple. Don't fight it if I can't sleep. Get out of bed immediately and just get out of my head and into my hands. Now, how do I measure this? I need a way to measure my sleep, right? Whether or not uh, my sleep is successful or not. And here's the measurement tool that I used, which um, I'm quite proud of, actually. I use HRV as a way to measure my sleep quality because the way I used to think about it, because I experience... I said, uh, I would say previously, up until the three weeks I've been at my father's now, uh, I I would experience five or six uh, bouts of wakefulness a night. And I thought, ooh, that's not good sleep. But I thought, actually, what I'm I'm discovering is that if I get sort of 90-minute sleep sessions, that I'm okay. Like when I wake up, I don't feel exhausted. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not feeling exhausted. And so what I've started doing is using my HRV measurement because HRV ultimately what it's measuring, I'm going to sort of give you the Dean dumbed down version of how I, how I understand HRV. It's basically, it basically measures um, the stress that your body is experiencing. And as long as my HRV measurement is good, then it means that my sleep is fine. If I'm getting, if I'm getting enough sleep, then I'm not have, I'm not, my body is not under stress as a result of not getting a good night's sleep. So as long as my HRV measurement is, is, is great, then I don't care how many times I'm waking up as long, you know, as long as my sleep numbers look good. So my HRV uh, nine times out of 10 is great. And usually when it's off, it isn't even has, doesn't have anything to do with my sleep. It's my body being my body. And, you know, so, but that's how I measure it. But I do have a way to measure it. Uh, the mastery, which is the practice. We don't think about habits as practice, but this is something I practice every single day because I, I sleep every single day. So it's a practice that I do. So that's where the practice is, right? Um, uh, my eating, uh, you know, where I, for example, I, you know, one of my essential habits is not to overeat. I have a calorie threshold, what I call my calorie sweet spot that I'm looking to attain every single day. My practice is the actual eating that I do during the day. And then the management is is I have to find a way to record that data. It's one thing to keep measurements. It's another thing to actually log the data somehow so you can go back to it and look at it and sort of discover patterns that might happen. So I have been logging. I didn't go back in and check in my log now, but I've probably been logging. I take my HRV measurement every single day. And I've probably been doing that for the past at least year and a half, I would say, maybe even a bit more. But I, I measure it and I log it so that 
I can go back and I can, I can see patterns of behavior with that. So that's where the management comes into play. I also manage on that same spreadsheet. I've got my weight. I've got uh, the time that I woke up. I've got the time that I went to bed. I've got the time that I had my last caffeine. I've got the time that I had my last meal. I logged the number of kilometers. I said my HRV score, my heart rate, the number of calories I consumed, the number of hours of sleep that I got. When I say sleep, the number of hours that I was actually in my bed, which is all I can control. I can't control exactly how much sleep I get. Uh, but I have all of that data so that I can actually go back at any point and, and I can tell you, you know, what time I went to bed, uh, August 10th of 2020, uh, because I logged it. I know exactly what time I went to bed. And I also know what time I got up that, that, that next morning as well, too. So that's the management aspect of this. Then the management aspect is really important because it feeds into the last part, which is the metacognition, which is the extracting of wisdom is constantly thinking about what I'm doing and refining my mindset or my methodology. You know, I just mentioned to you, um, my methodology has been refined because now I realize that um, getting out of my head and into my hands is like, actually, I can start preparing my first meal for the next day so that when I get up, I'm probably saving myself about 20 minutes of prep time now because literally when I get up, put the pan on the stove, pour the eggs in. I'm ready to go. That takes seconds to do. I drop the broccoli into the pot and I can start steaming it. Seconds to do. So it, it's, it's, it's a huge time saver as well too. But the, but the metacognition of sitting down and actually thinking about my thinking on this and recording thoughts, I, I, I recorded my journal, how my sleep went and any insight. More often than not, it's like there is no major insight, but every once in a while, something comes up where it's like, oh, I can start doing this to get out of my head and into my hands. So that's my essential habit framework. And that is how I have been able to, you know what I'm going to say? I, I, let me, I'm going to change the wording from what I said at the beginning. Um, as opposed to saying overcoming anxiety, this is how I manage my anxiety. Um, because I, I think that those things can crop up at any moment. It's not like they go away and they never come back again. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is how I've learned how to manage it. And it has been uh, uh, just a wonderful process. And I don't, I don't get, um, frustrated i don't feel anxious or fearful anymore uh when i do experience you know bouts of wakefulness i know now how to manage the whole process <clears throat> sorry so what's in this for you I, I said at the beginning of the show and i want to say this again um we suffer from something that i call context bias is that we tend to only use ideas within the context that they are taught Right, And so people would say, well, oh, that's great, Dean, but I don't struggle with my sleep. That's not the point. The point is there's a method to my madness. I want you to steal my madness, steal my framework. Right, Once I settle on an essential habit, I have to, I have to I'll run through the framework for you again. What's the mindset? What's the primary mindset, the big domino mindset that if I can figure that out, knocks all the other dominoes over. It makes everything exponentially more easy to do or easier to do. Right, Because again, mindset's the key to behavior change. You cannot do your way out of a thinking problem. You have to change your thinking. 
So I might, I figure out what my mindset is. Then I create a methodology and that's a constant work in progress. I start with my best guess and then I begin to iterate as I'm going along. Then I have to figure out how to measure it. Every single behavior that you ever attempt to do has to be measurable. You have to know whether or not you're being successful or not. And sometimes it can be as simple as yes or no. Some of the things that I do is uh, that my essential habits are yes, I did them or no, I did not. Yes is success. No is failure, right? Others come with numbers, right? So I said I can measure my sleep with my HRV. I have a number that I can use for that. I get on the scale every morning. That's a number that I can use. I log the number of kilometers I walk every day. That's a number that I can use. I log my foods every day. I weigh my foods so I know exactly how many calories I've consumed for every single meal that I've had since I started this journey 903 days ago. So, um, and then, uh, so it has to be measurable. Then I practice it, right? So that's a that's a different way to start thinking about this, right? As opposed to like, you know, I, like it's always a practice for me. Every day is a practice. The goal is perfection. Very seldom do I ever get perfection. So you have to. I'm also been able to teach myself how to navigate failure, right? We basically have to learn how to fail our way to success. That's what success is. Is sort of this ever evolving set of failures that will ultimately lead to success. And so I practice every single day. I then log that data somewhere so that I've got it in a database so I can use the the data to sort of find patterns and behavior that will help me with my success. I then spend time thinking about my process and sort of iterating and tweaking and creating new rules and new, you know, tweaking the mindset or the measurements or whatever it happens to be. But the system constantly feeds back into itself. And the, and the brilliance of what I'm doing for me is that uh, I think of these as 24-hour goals. All I'm worried about is today. Uh, My goal is to be perfect with my behavior today. And if I'm not, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to put something in play. And then I start from scratch again tomorrow. And I just keep logging days. So my first goal is let's do one day in a row. And then two. And then three. And now, like I said with Successful Body, I'm at 903. So uh, for you is to begin to see how you could take the framework and apply it to something in your life. And the sleep thing is kind of an extreme example. I'm also using it right now, I, I mentioned earlier, to uh, start getting out of bed um, without hitting a snooze button at the time that I say that I'm going to get up. And, and that's, that's a very simple, non-threatening behavior. But I'm applying the same process. There's a mindset behind it. I then have created a methodology. So I've got a few rules in play that have to happen when my alarm goes off each morning, including setting my alarm. So um, yeah, let me know how that goes. We'll talk soon.